0: Happy July. Happy summer. We are coming to you this July with some of our favorite podcast guests, we are kicking it back to some of our favorite this season who really helped us love and serve our community well. So even if you've listened to this before, I honestly could listen to these one, two, three, four times and still get something really special out of them. So I hope you enjoy. Um, For those who maybe got behind in your podcast, this is the perfect time to kind of catch up and we've given you some of our faves. I also wanted to let you know, if you want to dig deeper in our community, we have this thing called family coaching where every month I come to you with basically topics that you all have given to me to help strengthen your family, really all in the goal to love and serve your community well. And so we have different topics like raising confident kids and building healthy habits and how to serve with your family and how to make family mission. And you can get the entire year for $100 on our website at bestrongstory.com. And we'll go in depth with you. We have a private group that we talk about these things in. It just helps us dive in deeper with families, and I just love it. And also, we have come out with our children's book. Many of you have already purchased this book and have already shared it with others, and it really is just our story in children's book form of how this lunchbox note that said, Be strong, protect the weak, love everyone. How this simple lunchbox note really changed our life and built this company. And so we hope that it inspires your family To live love in action the way that you are designed to live it. So, thanks so much for being on this journey with us. Happy summer and happy July. Today, I am interviewing the lovely, the beautiful, the hilarious Melissa Radke. If you do not know Melissa Radke, you need to stop right now, go follow her, go watch some of her hilarious videos. She is amazing. We talk about just humor. We talk about loving others, even when we sometimes don't love ourselves. We talk about just her journey. And Melissa kind of came about because she was posting these very real videos, and she went viral. She has this hilarious bit that she does that all of us can relate to, and she's just kind of one of those girls that you want to be best friends with, that you totally relate to. She is raw, she is uncensored, and it is literally like a breath of fresh air. Her videos have been collectively viewed over 40 million times worldwide. Um, so she has um, used that to just connect with others and just be real and say, hey, I'm feeling this too. And so she wrote this incredible book um, about being brave, and it's called Eat Cake, Be Brave. And it's her year of saying yes to being brave for the very first time. And she chronicles that in her book. And so we talk about that, what it looks like to be brave, what it looks like to overcome things. Um, and you'll just giggle the whole time because she is hilarious. So I cannot wait for you to listen to this interview with Melissa. Because all I need Hi, I'm Christy Hayes and co-founder of Be Strong Story, a family mission and company founded because of a little lunchbox note my husband wrote my son that said,
1: Be strong, protect the weak, love everyone.
0: That's right. We believe those three lines can change our world if we live them out. Each week, we'll be sharing an inspiring and real story of others who are displaying this message of love in big and small ways in their community. Because every way matters. We hope each story will inspire you to make this message your own. Let's go love the world, you guys. Okay, Melissa, tell people who might not know you um, what you love, a little bit about your family, um, what's going on in your life right now.
1: Well, there's a lot going on in my life, and yet it feels like I am stuck right in the middle of what all the things that I just did and all the things that I need to get done. I, and I'm, I feel stuck, and yet I, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, David, I'm so stuck. I'm right in the middle. He's like, You got a million irons in the fire, woman. Get it together. But I am married to my husband, David. He, we've been married 25 years. In August. We have two kids. Remy is 13, Rocco is 10. I released my first book, which is called Eat Cake, Be Brave, last July. And so that, right, we put that fire out, you know. Then we went right into shooting a television show, which premiered on USA Network this year called The Radkeys. It was just a fun family sitcom reality about my life and my big, loud Southern family. And then we put that to bed. And then I was like, Oh, okay. I'm I'm done with all that. But the truth is, I'm working on another book and I'm I've got a podcast called Ordinary People, Ordinary Things, and I travel all over all over the United States and speak. I got a million irons in the fire and yet I feel if there's I'm so busy that if there's ever a day when I'm doing nothing, I think I must be the laziest person on the earth, which really it's not true. It's just like a downtime, you know, but I like to go, I'm an Enneagram seven. I like to go, go, go. Let's do, do, do. Let's get it done. Make it happen. Um, And so you, you caught me. You just happened to catch me on a day when I'm kind of, Oh, I'm kind of resting. And so I'm coming to you feeling like I'm not doing anything. I'm so lazy. How do you,
0: how do you rest in those times? So like, I also, I'm an Enneagram eight, but I have a seven wing. And for so long, same thing. Like, oh, I love doing a bunch of million things. Multipassionate. That's kind of a word that's going around. But I have found this beautiful uh, piece of rest that I almost have to have now. Tell me how that feels. Are you there yet where you're like, yeah, I love this resting? Or are you in it where you're like, I am lazy. Like, I'm sitting here doing nothing. Which really, it's probably like two hours you're doing something. You're just not going as fast as as you're going. What?
1: Let's just put it this way. When it comes to me and lazy, I always say that candy ain't going to crush itself. Okay. (laughs) Now it's going to need me to crush it. So I'm going to sit around and do it. No, here's the deal. I actually, you probably have found a nice balance for yourself. I have not. In fact, I saw my counselor. I see a counselor every couple of weeks and I, I met with her this morning. We talked for an hour and, and I really am kind of dealing with that. Um, Last year was so busy with the show and with a book. It was just a complete whirlwind, a book tour, you name it. And then we've just kind of chilled out. And it makes me feel moments of downtime make me feel unsuccessful oh, or yeah. or unproductive, mm-hmm. right? And then I beat myself up for that. So actually, I'm not in a in a good place right now. I'm trying to figure that out for me and what that looks like for me. You know, a lot of people start their careers. Earlier in life, and all of this came to me in my forties. It came to me the year I turned forty-one. Everything changed for me. So, this is all new to me, and I'm yeah. trying to figure out in my own, not just in my own life, but in my own emotional health. Does that make any sense?
0: one hundred percent. And tell me, I want to know because I feel, you, I feel you. I feel your pain on this. What did they like? What are the tips that the counselor said? Like as as she's, because I know she's given you probably some tips to kind of get through this. What are some of the things that she said? to be thinking about or for your head to to get around?
1: Well, it's so funny because we actually talked about that this morning. You know, I have a a past and I talk about it in my book. I dealt with depression for several years. I dealt with it many years ago, severely, and then haven't really dealt with it in probably 15 years. Um, So today, I said all that to say, today she said to me, What are some steps that you can take? And I said, oh, so you mean like self-care, like take care of yourself, Melissa, like take a long bath at night and, and, you know, like meditate. And she said, no, see, those are things that you would do uh, that you should do. Those are, those are, of course you should do those. I'm asking you, what are you going to do to stop spinning out of control? Because we don't want to go back to that place. And so it's a lot bigger than, it's a lot deeper than take a hot bath at night sure. in lavender oil.
0: Lot, <laughs> which is also awesome, but yes.
1: right? It's it's more than just get a good book and put your phone down and read before bed instead of scrolling on your, it's more than that. I'm trying to find emotionally healthy places for me because sometimes my outlets are to go, 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 succeed, succeed, be on TV, write a book, do <laughs> And you can't come on. Nobody can do all that. So we have to go back to square one. What do I find my strength in? I find my strength in my my faith. I find my strength in journaling my thoughts. I, you know those kind of things that I got to get in the trenches a little bit in order to stay healthy,
0: yeah, I love that. and i've I've told this story before, but six years ago, my life was very different, where I always said, you know, I wanna do all these good things and I'm doing all these good things and for me, it was about my faith. I was I was, a you know, youth pastor. I had another company that was helping kids in Compassion International. National, I was doing all these things and it really was a time where I had to stop everything and just be because I wasn't truly satisfied in just me and God. I was only satisfied in doing all the things for all the people and getting the accolades and I remember we had Lent and you know, we, I had never experienced Lent. The only thing I knew about Lent was like, you give up chocolate and I wasn't doing that. So, um, we did this Lent and it was this time where we really dug in our hearts and they were like, ask God if there's anything in your heart that is not of him. And I was like, I mean, no, like I do everything. I mean, I'm a youth pastor. I do all these things, I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing he's going to find. And he, what he found in me was Christy you love to do all these things because you love the praise of others but like you're not satisfied in just me so like if i just set you here and you had no dreams and you couldn't run a company and you couldn't speak to people and you couldn't do things you would not be satisfied so until you're satisfied in just me just sitting here with me only me like you're never you're never going to be happy and so i'm kind of an all or nothing person so after a couple months of just this struggle struggle bus I didn't tell anybody about it because I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to be held accountable. And um, I just quit everything. Mm. And I'm not saying this to you, for you to do this, but what I'm saying is I had to just be. And so it was like six months of the worst time of literally just sitting there, like no dreams. And for a dreamer, I mean, I know you're probably a dreamer. You love to have, do different things. For a dreamer, it was so awful. And I just sat. And until I was totally satisfied in just being um, mm-hmm. I mean, I have it literally on my wrist. Our company is named B it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with this time. This was six years ago. Our company wasn't even formed till two years ago. Um, but it is just a reminder to me that it is okay just to be and not do. And for, for me, that was like, it changed everything for me. It changed everything um, for sure. So before, sorry to, uh, that was, I just, no, I loved it. Thank you. It just, you know, it just, I know that I I, and I still go there. Like, it's still, I still know my cues as when I am not being. But it is very hard because for so long it was like, oh, my God, I'm so lazy. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing just resting? Um, before the show, and I want to talk about the show, um, I want to talk about the book. Before you, you know, you started doing these things, what were you doing? Like, what was it that made you write a book? What was it that had you be on TV with your family? What did you do before all that?
1: Well, I am um, so so. Making a really long story short, I grew up in an extremely musical family, um, and I was a vocalist my entire life. I sang, I traveled with my family, and sang in churches all over. And I got married to David, and we moved to Nashville to finish college there. And then also, we were going to go in the, the music business, and he was going to do management, and I was going to be a huge, huge star. And people were going to look at me and be like, "Trisha Yearwood, what?" Look <laughs> That was the big plan, right? Right. We moved to Nashville and um, Nashville was, we lived there for 16 years and it was heart wrenching. Don't get me wrong. I loved the town and I loved the friendships that I made, but Nashville did not like me. They liked that I could sing. They did not like the way I looked and Nashville told me that repeatedly. So if you don't know what I look like, you can look me up online. Your listeners can, but just know I'm stunningly gorgeous, but I'm also, (laughs) I'm also a plus size woman. And Nashville doesn't care for that. They prefer that women look this certain way, right? And so I literally had producers and songwriters tell me those exact words. It's, you know, sorry, too bad you can sing so good, but people don't buy ugly. You know, they would. T- <sighs> oh that's God. literally a quote. Um, one of many. Um, so. I felt really defeated in who I was and what the plan was, man. I had made the plan. So how many of your listeners are listening right now? And you know, girl, you know the plan you made when you were in the 10th grade. You know your freshman year of college, what you decided you were going to do. And now then the plan doesn't happen. And we just go, what? And I began to really struggle with depression um, and doubt in myself. On top of that, David and I had been married for a while and we could not get pregnant. Well, we could. We just couldn't stay pregnant. So 12 years of infertility combined with four, oh gosh, four or five miscarriages. I mean, it was just a really painful time. So now you can't do what all the other women can, and you can't look like all the other women can, and you can't be successful like all the other girls, and it begins to wear on you. We eventually adopted our two children. Best decision we've ever made. Moved back to my hometown to put dreams to bed, oh, to just I like that. Just bury those dreams, right? And I became a worship pastor. So here I am now. I'm serving God in the church, standing on a stage to 2,000 people every week, large church singing. And I think this is this is what I was maybe was supposed to do. You know, I guess this is it, and that's okay. And that five years of being a worship pastor back in my hometown was the most healing thing I've ever done for myself. Um, so much. So God did so much work on me and I did so much work on me. And let's, let's never overlook the woman who says, you know what, I'm going to put in the time to figure out, uh, to figure myself out, to, to look at what I want next, to look at, to say no to the things that have scared me for years. Right. And so on the day that I turned 41, I leaned over my cake to make a wish. Now, this was not some beautiful cake that my husband had, had made for me. It was a cookie cake that I bought at the mall. <laughs> for, for yourself? For <laughs> myself. Because your kids and your husband forgot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah they misspelled my name oh my on gosh. the cake okay. because I bought it from like some 16 year old pimply faced idiot that had YOLO <laughs> on his knapsack. Okay. But I lean over this cake, and Chrissy, you have to know I'd been doing so much work in myself and. I just leaned over in that moment when my kids are screaming at me, make a wish, make a wish, which is so dumb. Like adults don't even make wishes. I did. I made a wish. And I don't know that it was necessarily a wish or just a promise to myself, but it was this. Melissa, for the next 12 months, not, the, not 11 months, not 13, only 12, you are going to do the things that used to bring you passion when you were eight years old. You're going to do the things that you felt created from the beginning of time to do and screw the producers that told you you were too fat and screw the teachers that told you, you couldn't forget all of them. You're going to do it. You're going to live free of what people have said. You're just going to be brave. Okay. Okay. You're just going to be freaking brave, Melissa. And then I blew the candles out and that was as glamorous as it got. And that's what I decided to do. And the year that I turned 41, my entire life changed because I decided to say yes to things that before I would have said no to one of which was, my husband said, you know, you ought to start putting videos online, on social media. And I was like, um, excuse me, I have a face for radio, and thank you very much. <laughs> and he said, no, really, women would like you. They would They would like you. You have things to say. Why don't Why don't you just try it, you know? I said, no, no, I can't do that. And he said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were supposed to be brave this year. Oh,
0: nice, nice. Yeah, I like
1: yeah. that. Yeah, only like a husband can. And I did. And I think it was the third video maybe that I ever made um, to the today has about, I don't know, 70 million views,
0: gazillion, gazillion views. Let's just say gazillion
1: to the next one that was on today's show and magazine.com or whatever it was. And then the next one that went viral. And then the next one, it, I'm telling you guys, it was not because I am a wizard in front of the camera. It was because I just looked like everybody else. And I just sounded like everybody else. And I wore elastic waist and my jeans like everybody else is trying to hide it. And the very things that had held me back and made me ashamed of myself only years before were now the thing that people were attracted to. It just boggled my mind. And a literary agent in New York saw these videos and one of which was a, was a video about the night that I turned 41. And she said, this has got to be in pa- on paper. And that's how the book came to be. The book came out. Um, I kept making more videos and a production company saw it. And then the next thing you know, USA Network has bought the show. And I just, I can't get over that this middle-aged plus size woman who cannot contour her face to save her life. I don't and, even know what
0: that is. I don't even know. It's even
1: get a perm if they were still giving them, <laughs> has a show and a book, all because I just decided not to bury the things that I was, but instead just to celebrate it.
0: Oh, I love that so much. There's so much wisdom and all that. I think what I hear you say is you found freedom for maybe mm-hmm. the first time in who you are.
1: And I then- called. Yeah. You know, I called the book, Eat Cake, Be Brave because of that moment over the yeah. cake. But the truth is, I should have called it Eat Cake, Be Free because bravery is really just living in that's – what, that's what it is. It's living in the freedom of it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. I'm moving forward.
0: How did you get to that point? Because I think there would probably be so many listeners who are like – who have similar stories. Like, this is what someone has said about me. This is what I've been carrying with me for 40 years. And, you know, one of the things that we um, tell our kids in our phrase is be strong. You know, protect the weak, love everyone. The be strong is so they are so strong in who they are that when someone says to them years later or even on the playground, you're this or you're that, and it's untrue. It's an untrue thing about them, like the producer said to you in Nashville, that they would be able to say, nope, that's actually not who I am. I know who I am. I am this person. And they're so strong in who they are. But that takes so long. How did you figure out? I mean, it sounds like you went from like like defeated to like screw this. Like I'm going to live my life. What was the what was the thing that made you was it like little steps of bravery along the way? Was it just like I'm all in bravery? What was it? I need some steps for like the listeners so they can tangibly do this themselves.
1: Yeah. When you, when you tell the story, like I just did it, it sounds like you go from point A to point B overnight. Uh, no. And the and the truth is it, it was hella hard. Yeah, It just really, really was. But here was the thing. Um, first of all, and I know not everybody has, has a faith background. I do. So that played a big part in my story. Um, so for that, I will say, I believe God honors the shaky knees, the sweaty palms who just keep on trying. I believe He honors it. For me, it was honored in baby steps. So, yeah. The first time I did something that was really, really scary, and it felt like I was trying to walk on water, um, I failed a couple of times, but I just took baby steps. I would just say yes to this and yes to that, and yes, I'd get up on the stage, and yes, I would write this, and yes, I would go speak here, and it was all these little baby steps, and sometimes I'd slip and fall, but one of the things that I loved, this is just me and my personality type, I love that I had given myself a limit of 12 months. It was like a race. I just wanted to finish 12 months, not 13. And I wasn't going to cut it short and just be brave for 10 and then go back to where I was. But for 12 months and my, 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 what can happen when we say I, when we declare, when we write down in our journal, I will do this. I'm making a promise to myself for 12 months. And then, yeah, it was just baby steps.
0: Was it, did you have a plan within that? So you said 12 minutes, I'm going to be brave. Did you know in the back of your head things that you already needed to be brave about that you weren't in the past? Or did you just kind of let it organically, like if something comes up and I usually would say no, I'm going to say yes. Or if my husband suggests I do a video and that scares the crap out of me, I'm going to do it. Like, what, what was that? Did you already have a plan? Did you know, or did you just kind of let it go when things came
1: to you? Okay, Christy, let me just tell you this. Never use the phrase, have a plan and Melissa Radley. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have a plan for tomorrow. I don't have a plan for dinner tonight. I mean, I'm just not that type of person, but I will tell you this. I had actually read this book. Do you know Shonda Rhimes? Yes. Creator of the Years Adam. Yep. She wrote the year of yes, yes. And I had recently finished reading it. And I really kind of used that mantra that I will get, this will be my year of yes. When they ask me and I, and I feel timid when they ask me and I feel nervous when they ask me and I feel scared, I will say yes. If they ask me to be the homeroom mom and I absolutely hate it, so one year. I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. I'll make dessert. I'll make nobody. Nobody dared ask me to be the homeroom mom. Are you kidding? They're not idiots. <laughs> I love it. I'm like getting hives. I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't say yes to that. I can't say oh, yes. Not, no, no one ever asked me, but I'm just saying I would have said yes probably because I just wanted to live outside of the norm for me. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? Truth is as much as I would want to, you know, run myself over with a car if I had to be a homeroom mom, there are some people that are cut out for it and what if you end up doing it only to meet your best friend there? Oh, yeah. Meet somebody? What if you do it only to end up with a great job opportunity because you bumped into somebody? You just never know. And I guess I wanted to live like that. I wanted to live open arms, um, hopeful. The year of yes. In my church, we have a saying we say we are, we're going to live palms up, mm-hmm. meaning mm-hmm. I'm not going to live with my fists closed, closed off to what might come, but I'm going to live surrendered and open to whatever might happen.
0: What is one of the most important things that you learned in that year?
1: Mm. Um, probably two things. The first one was even when I trip and fall, even when I look stupid, even when I try it and it wasn't for me, um, that God has me, you know, that I don't have to shrink back. Never, never shrink back, Melissa. It's OK. Um, that was a really great feeling. I never knew God had me because I never tried a dang thing. <laughs> oh, I mean? right. Because you, you had never, to get out of your comfort because you I, were comfortable. Yeah. I never tried anything. So how, how did I know how far that, that my faith could take me? And then the second thing, and I hope this doesn't sound shallow, but it, it, it really is true. I like the way I look. I'm healthy. I'm a beautiful woman. My husband finds me really attractive. I don't care what size I wear. What I care is that I come into people's homes and lives and change the way they think about themselves or the way they parent or the way they um, treat their husbands or the way they go boldly into their lives and screw what size jeans I wear. And for the first time in my life, I'm able to say that because that's always been a real roadblock for me. Do I want to lose weight? Uh, Yeah, because I'd like to look good in a bathing suit. But I mean, and also I'm human, right? But. The world was really fine with it. And I found out that I think Nashville has got more mean people in it than than the rest of the world, probably, because the world has accepted me really um, with open arms.
0: I love that. I think, And I think that's something that we go through our whole life, trying to accept who we are. And I'm sure even in this year of this, you still probably had times where you doubted and that you were nervous. I mean, so fast forward, now you have a TV show with your family and a book and you've come under a lot more press and publicity. Tell me how that's been. Has that been hard? Um, Or have you like had a thick skin with that? Cause I know there's people who are so mean online and so mean um, even to our faces. How has that been for you?
1: Well, I hope that when I answer you answer this question that y'all won't think, oh, she's talking out of both sides of her mouth. I do realize it's going to sound like that. So let me apologize in advance. When the show came out, here's this network, right? This huge network in LA met with them in their offices several times. They never asked me to change one thing about myself. They never asked me to change my hair color or my accent or my size or how I dress. Nothing, nothing. But don't get me wrong, there are still people online and there are still trolls that were horrible, horrible and terrible. But I was able to put that down pretty early on and not read a lot of that press. Twitter's the worst, man. Get off of there. They're the worst, but to some degree. And it's still going to hurt my feelings to some degree. But I really had just learned in the years leading up to the show, I was going to keep my eye on the prize. And that for me is what I did. And furthering our reach, um, furthering what it is I want to do with my life um, through the avenue of that show was far more worth it to me than getting the heck out of Dodge because, you know, Mike (laughs) from, you know, Navasota, Texas. Right, right. no, thinks I need to lose weight. I'm like, what? You're like, I look you up on Twitter, and it's just a picture of you and your dopamine <laughs> I mean, I ain't giving you a lot of stock, stock Mike. Um, so yeah, I just learned to really focus on what is the goal that I'm after. Screw the naysayers. But love- of course, it hurts sometimes, you know. But but hey, there's I tell you know, I was just saying the other day. I think I was saying it to David. I said this comment and then I thought, dang, I'm going to, I'm going to write, I'm going to write a book about that or something. And it's this, everybody told me it would be worth it. Nobody told me it would be hard.
0: Mm.
1: Everybody just keeps telling you it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it to, to get your kids on a schedule. And it's going to be worth it to eat healthy and it's going to be worth it to be be a vegan. And it's going to be worth it to get an organizational chore chart in your house. (laughs) But nobody told me it was going to be hard and it's hard and you cry. And sometimes you're, your thoughts run away with you, and sometimes you rage at your kids, and sometimes you go to bed because you don't want to speak to your husband because you had a really bad day. But what is the goal? What? What? Keep your eyes on that, and keep your eyes on Christ, and work the plan. You know, work, the, work it. And um, that's kind of what I've had to tell myself.
0: I love that. If you are a small business, a mid-sized business, you are usually looking for someone to help you with podcasts and logos and branding it can be so so overwhelming and i have the perfect person for you her name is meg Grange, and she is incredible she helps market and design for medium Size businesses to small businesses who want to grow and make a difference. I love her. I know her personally. She is trustworthy, affordable, and super down to earth. Her stuff has been featured in Magnolia Magazine. She actually did the logo for the Be Love podcast, and she's just incredible. So if you don't know where to start, if you need a website or logo or branding, she is your girl. And guess what? She is giving away to our listeners 30-minute free call. If you mention anything, Be Strong Story or Be Love Podcast, I would definitely get on that because she has worked with some incredible brands and is super knowledgeable and awesome. So thanks, Meg, for being our sponsor today. I love, one of the things I love about you is your vulnerability and just your realness. And that is why people love you because you are saying what we are all thinking. And um, I love it for your daughter. You have a daughter. Um, How old is she? 13. 13. So, this is the years that they, I used to be a youth pastor for middle schoolers. This is the years that they are trying to figure out who they are and all those things. Tell me, we have a lot of listeners, a lot of other listeners are parents. Tell me how you are helping her kind of navigate that. I mean, number one, one of my favorite quotes, I always say it, is it's more taught, um, more caught than taught.
1: What does and, that mean? Tell me that.
0: Okay. So, basically, I could say to my kid, till I'm blue in the face, you should be empathetic towards others. You should be caring and compassionate and blah, 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 blah. But if they don't see me living it out, it means nothing to them. Mm -hmm. But if they see mom stopping on the side of the road and looking someone in the eye and having a conversation with that homeless person, if they see mom seeing someone and going, that doesn't seem right, we need to go see if that person's okay. If they see mom doing these things that will mean more to them than ever me sitting there and having these conversations with them. And so for you, you are living this out. You are living a life of freedom out for your daughter to see. And so she's catching that. It's more than you could ever teach her. It's more caught than taught. And so I'd love to hear just kinda how you're you know, navigating that with a teenager in your house, a girl especially, how you're helping her love herself and in turn, when we, I, I find that the, the people who love others the most, who have that twinkle in their eye, who light up a room, um, are the ones who have accepted themselves because then they're so free to love others without competition, without comparison, with all those things. Tell me how you're teaching your daughter that.
1: Well, first of all, you ask the question as if I am. <laughs> what if I'm not? What if I'm like, well. <laughs> Tell me how you're failing in parenting right now. Yeah, no, yeah, Exactly. Um, I think that's a great question. So I'm going to give you a couple of things. I preface it with, please, please, you, Christy, and your listeners, please don't think I've got it all right. I probably got about 90% of it wrong, but the 10%, I'm killing it, baby. (laughs) But I just say that because I love my kids so much um, that I'm going to screw up. That's what happens when we love people a whole, whole lot. We mess it up. We just mess it up, man. Sometimes we just treat the people in the grocery store we don't even know better than we treat the ones we love. 100%. So I, I wanted to preface it with that. The first thing I've done, and this is not for everybody, but it has proven to be the most beneficial thing so far, is that my daughter still doesn't have a cell phone. Um, social media, considering I'm a product of it and I work on it, is a scary place Um I just took some advice from parents who had given their kids social media and they said it's like a bullet in a gun. Once you release it, you can't put it back in. Everybody's different. And I know for her, she's not ready. So we've not given her that. For the show, we had we needed to have them on social media. So we put her and my son, a joint account on Instagram, which I have the password for and I oversee. And if they take a funny picture and they want to upload it, Mama does the uploading and they run everything by me. They don't even know that they can get direct messages on there. They've never replied to any. They don't know how to do that. So social media is not anywhere in their world. Um, that's one thing that has worked for us. The second thing that has worked was a situation that happened, and I'll, I'll give it to you. It happened about four months ago. I was invited to, to go to L.A. and be on a talk show, and they invited my husband and the kids to come. And without thinking and without hesitation, we said, absolutely, we would love to. It's going to be great. And then in my small town and in my really um, Christian town, some of my family members or friends would go, you're going to take them there to, 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 to do that. And and the people that you're going to meet, I, mean, I just don't know that that's a good idea. And I started second guessing my own parenting. And I knew my heart had just said, absolutely, of course, we'll go. I mean, yeah, we were going to be with people that lived a little differently and dressed a little differently and loved a little differently. But I didn't have any hesitation. I started to second guess myself. So I reached out to another mom. And There's my big advice right there. Look at moms who have already been there and done it and who have raised kids that are succeeding in the world. Who cares if they make a lot of money? Are they good humans? Then ask those moms questions. <laughs> so I texted one of my girlfriends from Nashville and she texted me back this. This is what she said. You won't have that daughter in your home for very many more years. I'm begging you. Please take her into places where she can see her mom and her dad interact with people who may not always sit at their dining room table. Please, God, let her see you do that. And I thought, yeah, that's that's what I wanted. I I just needed somebody to back that up. I took my kids. It was one of the best experiences we've ever had. They were treated with complete and utter respect. My children loved that event, that moment, and never once did I have... (sighs) I never regretted it for one bit because we're never going to have people like that in our home because we live in deep east Texas, for Pete's sake. And I want my kids to see me interact with people from all walks of life and all economic backgrounds and all social backgrounds and all different colors and races. And give me a break if we don't do that. That, I think, is what you mean by caught Mm -hmm. as it's taught
0: that hit it on the I mean I could literally just praise hand you all number one for the cell phone we just had this conversation with my 11 year old and I'm like yeah you're we have some moms were like yeah you're gonna get flip phones when you're like 17 but (laughs) that's all you're getting (laughs) and we're like we'll get a flip phone contract it's gonna be so awesome which will probably be back in uh, style by the time my kid gets a phone Um, but we just talked about that just about you know social media and I do a lot of social media for us and so we just had this conversation of like off hours and how it can be so distracting and mom needs to look you in the eye, you know, all those different conversations that I too need to listen to, you know, as well. The second thing I think what I've learned in our family is just with our company, the whole thing is I want to bring other families into places that they might never go. And so my passion, you know, we live in the burbs and we always have, and I always want to live in the city by the homeless person that I can see outside, but we never end up there and we always end up living in the burbs. And I really do believe that it is my passion and my purpose is to bring others together to a table that they would never sit at, to bring the homeless person with the suburban 40-year-old white mom, you know, who you know, goes to soccer carpool and all those things and have them interact and love one another, to bring the refugee, you know, with this this person who would never maybe interact because when we have those times together, that has changed everything for me, um, opened my heart so big um, where I used to think I might know everything or I know this about that person. I didn't know that person until I sat in their room and listened to their story of turmoil and pain and all the things that I will never, ever, ever experience in my life, that's when my heart started opening. That's when it wasn't just a story on a newspaper or in on the news. It was real to me. And so, you know, a lot of times we have these service projects where I don't even like to call them service projects. They're love projects where we take, um, we're, we're doing it um, in the next month where we take all of these um, different families from our community here and we go love and serve in different in different places. It's my most favorite thing in the world. But what I love the most is that the kids really don't have a bias. They aren't old enough yet. There's some little Mm -hmm. ones that come. They really don't have a bias. But it's the parents who um, change the most. And I remember doing this one um, where we went downtown to the homeless. It was dirty. It was all these things. And I remember the parents holding so tight to their kids, like literally like gripping them, you know, so tight. They were so nervous. And by the end of that time together, they had released their grip these kids were sitting having lunch with these you know with these people that they would never have lunch with who didn't have shoes and maybe hadn't had a bath in a couple weeks and it was literally the most beautiful thing and to see the parents see that it was like they were learning more but i love that any way that we can get and we don't all live in places that you can just like hop hop downtown and and go do this there are there are people everywhere but I think you have the greatest wisdom right there is to take those kids to places that they might not see and to love on people. And and the beautiful thing that I've learned is like it's not just about loving on people. It's about that reciprocation, right? So I'm mm-hmm. learning more from the people I think I go in and serve or I'm coming in to love this person. They give me so much more. It's a reciprocation. It's a kinship. And to teach your kids now that there's a kinship, that it's not just us loving someone, but it's them getting to share back in our lives is like the most beautiful thing in the mm. whole world. I mean, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Um, so tell me how if if people aren't haven't been familiar with you before can't how do we get your book how do we watch the rad keys um, if I want to know everything about Melissa and I want to see all the funny videos how do we do that?
1: Well, they can follow me online on social media. I will tell you this: if you want to know everything about Melissa, just follow me for about two weeks. I'm an open book. You'll know it all if you just commit like three days to follow me. You'll probably go know more than you wanted. Um, of course, my book is out. You, they can buy it anywhere you buy books. They can get it on target.com or they can get it on Amazon or probably in your local bookstore. Um, of course, they can also get it you know, from me if they want to go to my website, but they can find me on social media, on Facebook or on Instagram. And I do travel, of course, and speak. I, I think that my ability I shouldn't say ability. I want to scratch that word. I wish I hadn't said it. It's not in a, I think, what is the word I'm looking for, Christy? It's not my ability Purpose, to be. passion. Willingness.
0: Willingness. Ooh, I like I, that.
1: My willingness to be vulnerable and to be real has drawn more people to me and to my mission and to what I'm doing, which is really crazy because, you know, I was raised by <clears throat> a mom and dad, a who whom I love dearly and they're wonderful but they were of the generation you see where you don't air your dirty laundry we don't talk about it right Melissa right. Page you keep your mouth shut outside the house
0: right everything's great everything's great everything's, everything's great, great.
1: And I just decided to go to, to just follow kind of the works of Brene Brown, which is just like to just live as honestly and openly as possible. And so people that watched our show, we had six episodes on USA Network. They aired this summer. We are now waiting on word of whether or not we will have a second season. So they unless they can like go and download, you know, they're not currently on the, the episodes aren't, but even those who follow me know I'm nervous. I've bitten my nails down to almost the quick, thinking about whether or not did I do good enough? Was I enough? I I talk about these things. I voice them. We, and and I think that that's what people like. And it's really been healthy for me, too. So they find all of that out when they follow me.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I think that is what draw, I love that you don't have it all figured out, that, that you are still struggling with, am I enough? You know, is our season going to get picked up? How am i am going to feel if it doesn't? You know, all those things that, you know, in your heart, you're going to be okay. But in the moment, it is a struggle and it's, and it's stressful and, and all those things. So I love that you, that you share that. And I hope your season does get picked up because I would love um, to watch that and just to see how a family who's not perfect, um, but who loves really well, and who's vulnerable and real, I think um, one of the last questions I want to ask you is for those who are afraid to be vulnerable, to those who are the ones who say, I'm okay. It's fine. We're good. How do you get to a place where you can be real? How do you get to a place? We're so scared to be real. Were you always like that? Or is it something that switched on you and said, okay, now it's time for me to be really who I am because I think there's so many people who yearn for that, but they're too scared to do it.
1: Um, I don't know that I was always like that. I think my, my friends from growing up would probably tell you differently. They'd probably say, no, Melissa, you always told us what you thought. You always told us how you were feeling, but I certainly, it certainly wasn't a tactic that I used. It wasn't a motivated tactic. This is my action plan. I'm going to be the woman that's vulnerable. It wasn't that at all. And, um, so, I mean, I still, I still worry sometimes. I'm getting recognized more and more when we go out places. Even when I'm out of town, I'll go into a restaurant and somebody will stop me. And I'll think, was I just yelling at my kid just now? Like, did they see me pulling into the into the restaurant parking lot like, screaming at David? i I'm still worry about those things, you know. Um, but tell me your question again. <laughs> I don't
0: even remember my question. I mean,
1: I think it was how, I think it was, um, how do, how do
0: we as, a community how do we as people become more vulnerable because that truly is the beauty of life is when you share things and instead of always saying i'm okay i'm good when someone really asks you how do we become a, how do we become people who who actually share what's going on in our life
1: yeah well i do i worry about those kind of things and people i mean i have i have, and i write about that in the book i say look it's okay to show up nervous it's okay for your palms to sweat and your heart to race. That's when you know you're living life good. That's when you know you're in the zone, man. That's when when things are going to get good. So when I'm, I don't I don't have a tactic to be vulnerable. I'm just really really real, and it resonates with people. And I think I discovered that 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 would work because the people that I like to follow, the people that I like to be mentored by, they're the ones that are doing it and and being really real about it. So I just thought, well, if they're going to do it, so can I. Um, you know, there's a story that I tell when I go and speak places, and I'm going to give you a really summarized version of it, but I think it will tell you kind of what I mean. The very last episode of The Rad Keys when we shot it, the episode is about the fact that I was asked to sing in front of 41,000 people in the stadium Minute Maid Park for the Houston Astros during the 7th inning stretch. God bless America. And considering that I had never sung to 41,000 people or stood in a place where all these cameras were on me and sang, I was really, really nervous. And I began to doubt my size and I began to doubt my voice and I began to doubt my hair and I began to doubt, could I hit the high note? All this kind of stuff. And. Um, you watch the episode and you see me do it and it turns out great. And the the episode is wonderful and it's cute and adorable. The end, right? But that wasn't the end. There was something that happened that wasn't filmed and it was in the car on the way back in the car on the way back home. I said to my kids, my husband was so proud of me, you know? And I, I remembered when I was singing, looking up in the stands and I saw David and I saw Rocco and they were just smiling and waving their hands in the air. They were so excited. And I looked and I saw my parents and they were filming me with their phone. And I looked beside them and I saw Remy, my 13 year old daughter, and her eyes never left mine. They just, they, they could have burned a hole right through me. So on the ride home, after we were done all congratulating and screaming, I turned around to look at Remy and I said, Remy. Remy. Why were you staring at me like that? Good Lord, you could have drilled a hole through me. And this is what she said. Because mama, if I didn't watch you, well, when it's my turn, how will I know what to do? Oh, so good. And that's how I would want to end this podcast with just saying, holy cow, they're watching us. And if we don't stand up and just say yes and be a little bit brave, then how will they know what to do?
0: Oh, that's so, so good. Thank you so much for that. I think everyone can think of something in their life that their little babies are watching them and that <laughs> they can be brave in. Um, thank you so much for being with us. Um, at the end, one of my favorite things is just to encourage my guests. And I love this part because no matter if you sold a million books and you had you know, this hit TV show and all those things, if all those were stripped away from you, you would still be this amazing woman who's worthy of love and all of the things, confidence and all of the things. And I love to hear from your friends. I kind of do some digging, a little investigating um, behind the scenes. And I get words of just encouragement from your friends um, about you. And so I want to just read those over you. And I hope that this is when you are feeling nervous and when you are feeling like you're biting your nails when you're waiting to hear for that you know, second season that you will take these words and just really just put them in your heart. One person said, Melissa is for you. She fights for those close to her and there is always room at her table. She loves hard, she laughs loud, she encourages much. People feel seen and known when they are within her reach. And this world better be ready because she's coming for it. Mm-hmm. Someone else said, Melissa is a woman who lifts up others. She sees a level playing field and won't compete. She lovingly helps, encourages, and walks arm in arm with those around her. With her joy, humor, and sassy ways, she makes life so much more fun. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that those are just an encouraging word. Just even the time that we've got to spend with you, I just feel like life has been brought in to me. Um and I just know our listeners are just going to adore you just for for who you are. So thank you for your year of brave, for being that year of brave. And thank you for the freedom that you found because I always say, I always tell every person I know, share, share, share your things because someone who listens to this will go, I, it's my turn to be brave. It's mm-hmm. my turn to be free because you were bold enough to do that. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart.
1: Thank you. I don't know who in the world said those things about I can't me. can't tell you. I my mother. <laughs> Not your mom. <laughs> it wasn't your mom. It wasn't your Thank mom. You so much for having me. It was, a, it was my pleasure. I, I love it. Chrissy, thanks for having me today. Thanks,
0: Melissa. I appreciate
1: I it. it. <laughs> hey, thanks for hanging out with our family today. We hope
0: it inspired you and gave you ideas of how to live out love exactly where you are. We wish we could just hug each and every one of you and let you know what a difference you could make in this world. We would be so honored if you subscribed to our podcast, left a review if it inspired you, or shared with a friend because we know word of mouth is actually what matters. And don't forget to share your stories at Be Strong Story on our social media of how you lived out the message of Be strong, protect the weak, love everyone. Because we believe with our whole hearts that every person can make a difference and inspire another. See you, See you next, next week. week.